Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to another edition of Live Stream Sunday School. I'm Melvin Gaines. This is for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, Akron, Ohio. Uh, today is Sunday, August the 1st, in a new month. Uh, so we just uh, thank you for being here today. Uh, while we allow people to join us and get online with us, uh, morning, Bev. Uh, how are you? We're going to play music from um, Bishop Paul S. Morton, Sr., and presenting the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship Mass Choir. Uh, here comes Don't Do It Without Me. So thanks for being here this morning. Good morning, good morning. Ronnie, good morning. Thanks for being here. Hey, Roscoe, how are you, buddy? Good to see you. your coffee with you. Hey Liz, good morning. Good morning, Nate and Marnell. How are you? Bless you all. All right. Excellent. Excellent. I'm doing good too. So is my lovely bride. Cindy, good morning. How are you? Amen. 
through without me. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, Bishop Paul Morton, Paul S. Morton Sr., and the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship Mass Choir. That's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> don't do it without me. It's the name of the song, the praise song for this morning. Thank you, Arlen, as always, for your diligence in this area. A good way to start off our Sunday school class, uh, which we've been doing now for uh, online for a year and a half. And we are now in August of 2021. That is an amazing thing to think about. Well into the, now get good into the second half of the year. And we just want to keep praying, uh, again, for safety and protection. Um, I think it's really, really important for us just to stay uh, as healthy as we can, do what we can, take the vitamin D um, supplements, all those things to just keep our bodies up to snuff and make sure we're doing everything we can to uh, stave off anything that's out there. I think that's kind of be the rule of the day for for the foreseeable future. We need to keep doing those things. And uh, my wife and I went and worked out again for the third time yesterday at uh, the rec center. And it was third time uh, this week, uh, this past week, and we felt it. Uh, <laughs> so, but it was it was well worth it to, to do that, just to keep going and make sure we're getting the blood circulating and all that. So uh, we appreciate you being here. Um, uh, Angie, good morning. Uh, I saw your name pop up again. I don't know if that meant you had to get off and get back on. I don't know. Um, just watch the connections. As always, guys, when there's a connection issue with our Sunday school class, uh, it is available online afterward to go back and look at if you need to. Uh, that, that's the thing that's uh, really good about this. We can still have it, uh, continuity when you can just go back and not have to worry about connecting uh, with the Internet per se. The um, lesson today we're going to get into is in Hebrews. It's going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 19. But before we get to that, I want to get some announcements out of the way. We've got... Um, Pastor Gus, uh, we will be outside today for worship. That that is the uh, we are taking a chance. The, the chances for rain have actually gone down since yesterday, for the time frame of when we will be outside for the worship service. The uh, percentage is about eight percent, which uh, there's nothing in on the radar that I can see. The only danger would be a pop-up shower, but I don't see that happening either. Not a weather forecaster per se, so we'll just take it for what it's worth. Um, but it's going to be very nice. It's going to be in the 70s, low 70s uh, for a temperature, which is going to be really good uh, for outside, and we just encourage you to dress accordingly for that, and um, it is sunny. Uh, the, the forecast is sunny here now. The forecast is it, that it will be partly cloudy, so just keep that in mind as you prepare and go out, uh, and I would just make sure that you take your bug spray too, just in case, uh, because bugs are got a lot of bugs now. I, it's one of those things I don't really know what to do about other than just say be prepared for that uh, accordingly. Of course, you can be, stay in your car if you really want to if you don't, are concerned about that. But I would bring your lawn chair and enjoy the weather. We're only going to have so many days like this in the 70s in August. That's just not really, uh, that's a rare situation for this time of year. So please play, uh, plan accordingly. Gus has a message and that he is going to be presenting today out, outside, but his message, God's Covenant, Understanding a Better Pro Promise, is online and will be online in our timeline. Uh, if you are not able to come to church today, you can uh, look at the message online here on the timeline, Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. Uh, he will It will be available uh Actually, in a few minutes uh, uh, after, but it'll be online and available in the timeline after we're done with Sunday school. Please make a note of it. It's a it's a good message, and I want you to make sure that you also just make your comments and likes as well too. Remember your tithes and offerings, please. Make make sure that you are uh, giving uh, to the church. If you are mailing the tithes and offerings to the church, the address is Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Uh, good morning, uh, Charles and Joanna Starks. Thanks for being here. And please make sure that if you are bringing your tithes and offerings to church, there will be a drop box on the side of the church uh, available, uh, I believe, as early as 1030. 
but just uh, make sure that it, you'll take care of that before you leave, uh, leave church today if you're going to the Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. The Zoom Bible study will be today at 5 o'clock. We had to postpone it last week because we had a lot, a lot going on and decided to uh, postpone it until today at 5 o'clock. So we'll look forward to seeing all of you who have the, you will have the invitation in your email uh, later today uh, to log in to the uh, Zoom Bible study. And if by chance you are online right now with us and you still want to participate in Zoom, number one, you'll have to have Zoom already downloaded and installed on your device, and you will need to send an email address to Akron Alliance at gmail.com to make sure that we have your email address and send it to you if we have not already uh, collected it. So that's just the last uh, minute uh, invitation for you if you are interested in participating in that. Real easy to do. It is easy to do, but you just have to, those are things that you just have to have in order to participate. The Zoom, Zoom has to be on your device and ready to go uh, so that you can actually log into the meeting when, it, when the time comes. Okay, we will move forward because we've got to cover a few more verses today than we did last week. But it's actually um, almost exactly the same as it was last week from the standpoint of uh, the content uh, from uh, as far as what the verses represent and what we'll be doing. And it's a contrast to last week as well, too. But we want to make sure that we are covering the very important purpose of um, warning against unbelief, uh, decisions that we make, the choices that we make, as a people, we have to really, really be conscious of that. And this is what, uh, the more I read uh, Hebrews and look at this layout, I, it just looks like a series of sermons. I don't know why, it just hits me that way. Um, where it, it, the way it's presented and the way it, it draws upon content from the Old Testament uh, for the audience, uh, the, the Jewish Christians. It's just a very, very striking message. Special prayers and remembering, and remembering just to look after our, our brothers and sisters in the church. Uh, Pastor Gus, of course, uh, because he is recovering. He was in the hospital last week, as we have mentioned. He is home. He says he's feeling much better. Um, and he will be giving the message today, obviously. Um, Brother Roscoe Fry, keep him in prayer, please. Uh, lift him up in prayer and pray for uh, him. Uh, and, and just pray for him to have strength as well, too, uh, day by day. That's very important. And put, pardon me? Anarella, yes, I was going to say that. Just <laughs> we're just making sure we're covering all the bases here. That's okay. Uh, keep Arella in prayer as well, too. Um, uh, Larry and Ann as well. Just keep them in prayer. Uh, the, Larry is one of our elders as well, too, and Ann supports Larry and takes uh, looks after him as well. And, and I think it's important to keep those individuals in prayer, our prayer for our leadership indeed. Amen. Okay, I think we're going to go ahead and move forward and get started and make sure that we are uh, not rushing at the end here to go through this uh, book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 7 through 19 is what we're covering. Let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer, and I'm pretty sure I've covered all the announcements. Yep, let's do that. Let's pray. Father, just thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for your covering. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your healing. I thank you for looking after our church leaders, the ones who are really just uh, sacrificing and doing everything they can to serve you. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their lives, for Pastor Gus, for, for Roscoe, for Larry. Uh, thank you for looking after them. And uh, I lift them up to you, Lord, that you'll just provide healing and comfort and rest for all three. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for imparting your wisdom through this message, through this information that you're providing in Scripture here. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives, and I thank you for the reminders of the importance of fellowship with you. Lord, it's so easy for us to break that fellowship just because we're not being faithful and we're not trusting in you. So help us with these reminders, Lord, to rem uh, and even pray for others who have struggles with this as well, too. We give you praise and thanks for all that you're doing, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty, everybody. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 7 through 19. That will take us all the way through uh, the book of Hebrews, the remainder of Hebrews 3. And to 
as a preface for what we were discussing last week, we covered verses 1 through 6, and, and just to lead into the importance of this particular section that we, we broke it off, because I was debating as I was preparing Hebrews 3, where should I divide this up? Because it was clear that the first six verses kind of set the tone for the rest of the chapter, and so that's why we did it the way we did it. And remember, just from the standpoint of uh, this warning of unbelief, we were looking at who Jesus was in the first part of the chapter, being our high priest. And remember, we were using that language, high priest, to refer to Jesus in that manner because the audience of this lesson, the Jewish Christians, uh, they were the ones that can relate to the priests and all the things that were done prior to Christ. So they certainly knew who the high priest was. And so they were given that information about Jesus, who he truly was, that he was greater had more, much more glory than the angels. He was much more than Moses. And he was indeed much more than, than that. He was the in charge of the entire house. He was the one who was in charge of God's house. Whereas the priests and the individuals who were in responsible for caring for the church, they were the ones who were responsible for it. Jesus Christ, the high priest, is now in charge of the church and in charge of everything involved there, including us, our very lives. And... The last thing that's mentioned before we get to verse 7, if you look at the passage, was that uh, the second part of verse 6, and we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. And that's where we pick up. So we're going to read verses 7 through 19, uh, the New Living Translation. We're going to go through what it says and then come back and go over it and look at these with greater detail because of what the message conveys what it represents, and what we need to look at here as we hear what the writer of Hebrews uh, is trying to say. Starting with verse 7, Hebrews chapter 3, th that is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Verse 12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Turning you away from the living God, you must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Verse 16. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness... And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Now clearly this is a warning. Uh, that was Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 19. And the theme is, all, is the same throughout the entire section there from those final verses of, the, of chapter 3. And there's a lot to unpack here, but we can do it with simplicity as we just kind of chip through it a little bit. So remember that this was a lead-in that was given to us back in the, at the end of verse 6. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ, we are indeed part of God's house. That was the message being conveyed to the Jewish Christians, and it's also being conveyed to us, about how we are to recognize who Jesus Christ is. And, you know, the question should always be asked, you know, what does Jesus Christ mean to you, and, and what efforts are you making to make sure 
that you are not diminishing Christ in any way by how you live your life. And you have to understand that this is what God was warning about here, about those Jewish Christians who were on the fence, who weren't quite sure what to think or what to believe when it came to this whole new gospel, this new message, this new uh, uh, headship that Christ has. Of course, he was prophesied uh, to be the head of, uh, of all, but they didn't know what that really meant until now we're at this point where we're recognizing this is where we are. So the danger we have is to fall back into the same place where those very Jews who were rescued, who were able to leave the exodus from Egypt, we're going back to a place where we don't want to return to those who doubted that Jesus or doubted that God was in fact in, in control and in, in charge. And we don't we want also remember now that since Jesus is the high priest, we want to make sure that we also have that understanding as well too. He is the one to look to. Don't go backwards to a place of unbelief. Don't go backwards to a place where you're doubting. Don't go backwards to a place where you frankly are just not making good choices. You're not making good choices. I think this, that's the application that we as believers have when we look at this thing about unbelief. We sometimes just go back into our old ways when we just don't trust what Jesus Christ is doing in our lives. When we're looking at what the world is doing, and that's exactly what the, the, the Jews were doing. They were looking at the circumstances. They were looking at the world. We don't have anything to eat. We don't have anything to drink. We don't have anything. We're, are we going to just die out here in the wilderness? There was just this constant um, rigmarole going back and forth between Moses and the people. To the degree that Moses, um, uh, frankly, was led into disobedience. He made those choices on his own. And where he couldn't go see the promised land because of his disobedience as well, too. You can see how um, it can be a very infecting process, this thing called sin. It has an impact on us that's very, very negative and it, Unfortunately, because we're in sin, we just don't have fellowship with the Lord. And that sin, of course, uh, can also just look at, you can uh, attach unbelief to that sin as well, too, because you're choosing not to trust in the Lord. You're acting outside of his will. You're doing things that are not uh, glorifying him. That is the danger that we as believers have. Let's go back to verse 7. And we've we're, we're, I'm just going to let you know, first of all, that verses 7 through 11 in this passage, you'll notice how it's referencing an Old Testament. If, I don't know if you can tell that or not by looking at it, but it's in, written in such a way where it looks like it's a psalm, doesn't it? It's actually Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. Verses 7 through 11 is actually Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11, if you look at that particular passage. And you'll notice that this rest of this chapter is referring to the Israelites who had hardened their hearts. Hardening of hearts. This is the thing that, where else have we heard that term, hardening of the heart? Um, that's when we talked about uh, Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh was the one who had his heart hardened because he chose not to believe in the Lord. He chose not to believe the signs that were given to him. He chose not to believe that uh, God was, in fact, the one who was uh, doing all these things. So his heart was hardened. And... The Israelites were hardened in the wilderness as well, too. Um, just why do we use the word hardened heart, and what analogy can we give to that? Well, one of the comments here is that it's as useless as a hardened lump of clay or a hardened lo loaf of bread. What happens when the loaf of bread gets hard, so hard that you can't do anything to restore it? Moisture, nothing will really work. It'll be stale or whatever it is. It's, it's not useful anymore. Nothing can restore it. You can't reconstitute it. That's a great way to put it. So a hardened heart has that equivalency. It's something that you just can't do anything with. And it's hardened because the person, the individual involved, has made a decision to stay in that situation, to stay in that mode. And God, although God desires to have a fellowship with that person or have a relationship with them, the bottom line is that it's just not being done. It's not, it's not possible to do. So we need to make sure that we understand where we are with that. The writer of Psalm 95, in, as represented here, is warning 
against hardening our hearts as Israel did in the wilderness by continuing to resist God's will. Let's take a look as, as an example to this. Exodus, go to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17, uh, verse 7. This is, this is one of the things that we have to look at here where there was a constant uh, theme that was taking place where people were just resisting God's will. People were resisting uh, what was being said and done. When the example was given, excuse me, when the example was given, uh, here's a passage, 17.7. This is the English Standard Version. He called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And that's what Moses had called that place because there was just constant bickering. There was constant fighting. And basically the people were saying, were questioning what God had done. All that point, they were led through uh, from uh, and rescued from captivity in Egypt, and then they came out and then acted really just ridiculously. I mean, there was just a ridiculous behavior taking place. And so that's what Moses was counting here and looking at. The other examples about resisting God's will were referenced in Numbers chapter 13, Numbers 14, and Numbers 20. Um, the people were so convinced, they were so convicted that God couldn't deliver them that they just lost their faith in him. Now, you have to understand something. Of course, back then, we were talking about believing in God. We, we didn't have Jesus to look to at that point. We just had the example that God was leading them through the wilderness and was going to provide for them. But back then, people just lost their faith. They had hardened hearts. They were stubborn. They were set in their ways. They couldn't turn to God. Now, it's it's very easy to look at the Israelites back then and try to point fingers and say, boy, they really were terrible in their faith. And, and the warning here is be careful. You just as easily could be those people uh, if you are get, get set in your ways. And that's something that we have to understand that Christians are always, because of the flesh, subject to being completely distracted and turned away from the Lord. Uh, we've seen it many times. We've seen it in many different examples. We won't go over all of those here because we don't need to. We can just look at our, our own lives and recognize that we have turned away from the Lord and that we have had our own versions of a hardened heart. And it only took the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and that moment when we realize I'm going in the wrong direction that God restores us to fellowship with him because we ask for what forgiveness we ask for mercy we ask for grace we ask for peace and all those other things are not happening when you are when you have a hardened heart you're anything but relaxed right you're anything but um uh you're anything but restful you're anything but uh the place where you're not able to enter into his rest and that's what we're going to talk about as we go further down in the study here so we need to understand that this thing about hardening of heart, it's not like an instantaneous thing either. It can take time. Uh, it can happen over time. The more and more you resist being obedient to the Lord, being in fellowship with him, listening to his, his, uh, his words, uh, lacking obedience, lacking trust, lacking faith, Remember, worry, we, we actually had talked about this recently too, worry is the opposite of faith. Prolonged worry, being in a state of worriedness, uh, that's a lack of faith as well too. And that is not according to his will. God wants you to stay faithful and remain faithful, even when it's tough. We've got gotta to step it up and do what's necessary. We don't want to keep making choices that are disregarding what God's will is for us in our lives. We just don't want to do that. We don't want to get into that situation. We have to always focus on making sure that our hearts are not hardened. And there's another passage that talks about removing this heart of stone and putting in a heart of flesh, which is something that's very important. That's what we need to have. We need to have a heart that is looking to the Lord and where we are growing and developing. We are far from perfect. We'll never be perfect. 
So we have to rely upon the Holy Spirit to help us as we grow in our faith. But we don't want to be tossed aside like hardened bread. We don't want to be tossed aside like a hardened lump of clay as useless. That's the importance here when we talk about hardened hearts. So I want to read, I'll read through verses 7 through 11 of Hebrews uh, chapter 3, uh, just to have that, that section taken care of and cover that passage Psalm 95, because we didn't read it, so I'll go ahead and read it again a second time. Verse 7, that is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness, there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, my place of rest. So we're going to camp out on this particular verse now. They will never enter my place of rest. Remember how Moses was saying in Exodus 7, 17, 7, that these people kept testing the Lord. They kept quarreling with the Lord. And because they were bickering and quarreling, they were not at rest, and they were never going to enter his place of rest. So what does that mean? What is God's rest? There are different ways that Scripture represents what God's rest is. So, And as there's usually double meanings sometimes and triple meanings of passages that we look at. Because God, in his grace and glory, shows us this, especially for the different people that he created, the different individuals. We're all different, so we all have different ways of sometimes seeing these things in Scripture as we review them. They're all correct uh, when it comes down to interpreting based upon what God truly means here. So what is God's rest? What meaning does it have? The first meaning is that, of course, the seventh day of creation and the weekly Sabbath commemorating it, um, Genesis 2, 2, Hebrews 4, verses 4 through 9. Let's go to Genesis 2, 2 real quick. The Sabbath, the general Sabbath. We, we recognize what rest is because God represented what rest was at the very beginning when he stopped after creation was done and took that time off and rested. And it was, of course, basically setting the stage for the Sabbath. Um, it says in verse Genesis 2, 2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Um, and I'll just throw in verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So it's the rest that he took, which represents, for our purposes, the Sabbath. And, of course, the Jewish people know this very well because that's what they were taught and they understood about the Sabbath. The other passage is Hebrews 4, verses 4 through 9. We won't read that, but I'm giving that to you for reference that you can look at that later. The second meaning for rest, the promised land of Canaan. The promised land of Canaan, which is the place where he was trying to get the Jews to go to. Um, go to, take a look at Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 8 through 12. Deuteronomy 12, verses 8 through 12. And we can look at this promised land that is referred to. Verse 8, Deuteronomy 12. You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. That was a problem. For you have not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance that God, that the Lord your God is giving you. The rest and the inheritance. Rest and inheritance. Uh, let me, I'll try to remember to come back to that inheritance part too. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and when he gives you rest from all your enemies around so that you live in safety, verse 11, then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I commanded you, I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present, and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. Verse 12, And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants and your female servants, 
and the Levite that is within your towns, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. So now let's understand something about this rest, which is a place of safety, a place of comfort, and that's what we need to look at. This land that was being given to them, it was indeed their inheritance, but you have to choose to take it, don't you? The inheritance, we have to understand that we have an inheritance because that's a promise of something that God has committed to give to us. Of course, for our purposes, our promise is eternal life in Jesus Christ and fellowship with him. The moment we close our eyes in death, we have that fellowship with him and we will be with him in that place he prepares for us. That's an inheritance. In the more physical sense here, the land that was being given, I'm also reading in Joshua, and you have to understand Joshua is the one that was chosen by God to lead the people, those who were remaining of those who came from um, out of Egypt, the people who were remaining, the, 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 the sons, the children, because a lot of people were wiped out because they said they would not enter God's rest because they were hard-hearted and they were difficult to deal with and they were always quarreling and bickering. You know how d tough that is to listen to somebody's constant quarreling and bickering and just constantly just giving, just doing nothing but being irritating. Um, that They basically were told because they were lacking faith, God told them they were not going to enter his rest. They were going to not enter his land, the promise to him, that land that was promised, the promised land of Canaan. They were not going to experience that. And so it was Joshua that had to bring them over. And once Joshua brought the people over into their lands and they had divided up according to the, the, the clans, the tribes of Israel, uh, based upon their inheritances, the inheritance, they were able to settle in those lands, and there was no fighting, there was no wars, there were no issues. There was peace in the land for a season, and that was very, very important for people to see. So this, so that's another interpretation of what rest means. The third one has to do with peace with God now because of our relationship with Christ through faith. Take a look at Matthew 11. Matthew 11 verse 28 Jesus has used that word uh, several times in his communication when he was talking with uh, the people with his disciples anybody who was there to listen frankly Matthew 11:28 says come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest wow I mean that's that's what it's all about isn't it have we not had burdens? Have we not had difficulty? Have we not had struggles? And basically, we need to understand that he wants us to give him our burdens. Verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke, the yoke that Jesus has, which is a much lighter burden. He is the one who gives you what you need to be able to overcome in other words, trade away what your burden is and take his burden on. Take his yoke on. Um, and it's really something where, frankly, he's the one carrying us through. Um, it's, a, it's obviously a metaphor. It's obviously a way of speaking about giving up what you're hanging on to and taking on Christ. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your very soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Give up your burden in life. Give up the things that you're holding on to, and take on Christ instead, because he can relate to what you're going through. He knows what you're going through. He understands who you are as a person, and that's what he wants you to see here. This is where you can enter into rest. That's a third way to look at it. And uh, there's other examples in Hebrews uh, chapter 4, which we will be covering uh, later on, uh, let me take a look at something real quick. Let's see if I can do this. Yeah, take a look real quick at Hebrews 4.1, which is actually going to be where we're going to be <laughs> starting out with next week. But Hebrews 4.1 gives us the response now to what happens if indeed you do enter God's rest. This is like a message. It's an ongoing message here, and we're going to cover the rest of this chapter. But look at what it says in Hebrews 4.1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, because it is a promise that God makes to us, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So this is the continuation of what we're talking about here, 
we don't want to stop looking towards and looking forward to God's rest. We want to always be pursuing that because it's always going to be there. It still stands. That's what it says here. It's still going to be there for us if we choose to look towards that. And, of course, the, the final rest that we're referring to here, the fourth meaning of it, our future, our future eternal life with Jesus Christ. And let's just drop down Hebrews 4, verses 8 through 11. Hebrews 4, verses 8 through 11, so we can see what that is referring to. It's actually referring to that very thing. Hebrews 4, verses 8 through 11. It's kind of a, a prelude, a prelude, I'll say, uh, for next week. We look at this passage. Verse 8, Hebrews 4. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's a, that's a promise from God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So we need to make sure that we as believers continue to focus on fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're striving to honor God in our actions, in our lives, in what we're doing. We're not working for salvation. We already have salvation, uh, but we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to give honor and glory to God. Of course, those who don't know the Lord, they do need to be saved, of course, and we need to pray for those individuals to get saved so that they will indeed enter this rest, this place of rest. And I was mentioning uh, on my faith channel uh, earlier this week in the reading uh, about the importance of recognizing that when we die, there is a we are eternal beings, but we can be in one place or the other. We're going to be either uh, just like the rich man and Lazarus um, story, where we look at the, the Lazarus was in the arms of Abraham and 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 with him, and the rich man was in uh, in torment. Uh, and that was a place of uh, his eternal, that was his eternal uh, place of rest because of his, his failure to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we always want to be prayerful for those individuals who just don't get it and don't understand and don't know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. That is one of the primary responsibilities that we as believers have. We know enough to know that we should be praying for those people and we know that we should be speaking to those people when we are called to speak to them. We, we recognize that they may be suffering from hardened hearts. But God can do anything. God can soften the hardest of hearts. God can indeed be the one to go after those individuals through the power of the Spirit and take care of those individuals. We need to recognize that that's a very, very important thing. We really need to make sure that we are praying for those individuals. Now let's get back to our lesson here. So these different meanings of rest that I just went over with you, all of them were probably familiar to the Jewish Christian readers or Hebrews of Hebrews because they understood what happened with this exodus. They understood about the hardest of hearts, hardness of hearts with the people. They understood what was going on. They understood that there were some who basically lost their lives because they failed to recognize God's goodness. They failed to recognize what he was doing in rescuing them from the Egyptians. So they could relate to this. They knew exactly what this was about. And because they can go back and look at what, what the Old Testament scriptures were saying. It wasn't Old Testament for them. It's Old Testament for us. So we recognize that that's exactly what was taking place. And we can apply these verses as a warning about God's anger in the face of human rebellion against his kingdom. That's, that's the problem that we have to recognize here. If you rebel against God, where are you going with that? You're, if you're opposing God, guess whose camp you're in? You're in Satan's camp. You're, you're definitely there. You're going to be in that situation. So by rejecting God's provision, who is Jesus Christ, and not enduring in our faith, we miss the opportunity for spiritual rest. That's what we're talking about here, spiritual rest. We must recognize that. We must understand that. And so we are to be prayerful that we, as believers, continue to focus on God's goodness, his grace, his mercy, 
what he has done for us, how he's brought us through the worst circumstances, how he's brought us through all kinds of situations. And even when we are not at our best, when we are ailing in in some way, when we are uh, going through health issues, we still can see through all of that and recognize God's goodness because we have an inheritance that is waiting for us. We have an eternal promise that he's made to us. We can enter his rest even in the midst of difficulty here. And that's sometimes tough for us to recognize, but that's true. All right, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 3. And watching time here, I need to motor on a little bit here. Verses 12 through 14 of Hebrews 3. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other, each, each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. And then we'll, re- we'll pick up verse 15 after that, uh, because that's uh, is part of that paragraph. But we have to avoid being stubborn. The failure to believe God is stubbornness. And that's what the Jewish people coming out of Egypt were guilty of, and we need to avoid that as well, too. We can be stubborn even in our own belief in Jesus Christ and how we believe in him. Uh, we need to understand that we can be very stubborn. We can insist upon the fact that you want something done a certain way and God has another way of doing it. And you can be stubborn and say, you know what, I'm not happy with that, Lord. I, I much would rather have, have it done the way I would like to have it done. And we have to understand, we talk like that sometimes. We, we act that way. We, we can be very foolish in our beliefs and our, our, our way of looking at things. But we need to make sure that we don't persist in unbelief. The danger here. If we are in sin and we persist in sin, God's going to leave us over to that sin. We need to make sure we're not doing that. We will not lose our salvation, but we are not, we are not helping the cause of Christ. We are not helping the cause of the gospel. We are not helping in those ways where we need to make sure that we are not uh, doing those things that can damage our testimony. God can give us new hearts. He can give us new desires and new spirits um, if we choose to go in a direction. Uh, let's go. Let's take a look at an example here. I want to look at. I don't want to breeze past this. Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. One thing we have to understand, too, is that when... There, there truly is going to be a remnant of people that God is going to rescue from uh, this world when it comes to our belief and just being faithful to him. And we have to understand that this remnant is, a, is just a small group of people. And we have to understand that even people who are Christians, I, I, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to uh, suffer from unbelief or a lack of belief. I think that's a very important thing to, for us to remember. We we have to remain faithful as a people. And it may be just be a very small group of people. And, and God knows exactly who those people are going to be. But let's look at what it says here in Ezekiel 36. It's a relatively long passage, but I want to read through it. And I want to cover this from the standpoint that we, we need to make sure that we're preventing having an unbelieving heart, staying in fellowship with other believers, Talking daily about your faith, talking about your health, being aware of the deceitfulness of sin, because sin is very subtle and can be very subtle, but eventually will destroy you if you stay prolonged in it. And encourage each other. So let's look what it says here. Verse 22, Ezekiel 36. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. Now, this is a statement to the people that you have to understand that it's not for your sake so much as it is for my sake because I've made a promise to you that you just are having trouble keeping. Now look at verse 23. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. That's a direct comment about how God has been treated. 
And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. They're going to be used by God to vindicate and proclaim his very name. Now, i got to tell you something. If, if, I'm, if I want God to use me, I want him to use me in a positive way in doing that. And I don't want to have to go through um, any kind of chastising for the, as a result of that, too, just to declare his name. So that's the takeaway here to look at. Verse 24, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, that's in verse 25, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. There is a cleansing process that we all have to go through. And how do we get cleansed, truly? Ask for forgiveness, ask for repentance. God immediately forgives us when we do that. That's the clean being made from unclean to being clean. Verse 26, and I will give you a new heart. That's what I was referring to, the heart of a stone turning into a heart of flesh. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Put my spirit within you. Whose spirit dwells within us? The Holy Spirit. He knows that we need that help. He knows that we need exactly that as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I will put my spirit in you. In many ways, that's a prophetic statement about what happens when we acknowledge Christ as Savior. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us immediately. He gives us the ability to encourage each other. Encourage each other, speak the truth of Christ, have fellowship with each other, have communication with other believers, talking daily about our faith. One of the wonderful things that we have going for us now my wife and i we walk every day and we have a chance to talk to each other and we talk about our faith we talk about what we are believing we talk about circumstances in life that we run across we talk about ways to encourage Um, we talk about all kinds of things but it's really important to just keep talking that up talking those things up on a daily basis and speaking about the love of christ we talk to god every day in prayer don't we we should be we should be talking about those very things So we need to recognize that. Okay, let's move so we can wrap up here. Back to Hebrews 3, verses 15 through 19, and recognize where this is all coming from. So it says, verse 15, remember what it says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt. And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Now you see this whole passage here was speaking about Telling the people who were listening to this, who were the ones who disobeyed? Who were the ones who chose to not follow God? Remember, they made a choice. They made a decision to not follow God. We make decisions all the time to not follow Jesus Christ. If you make a choice to not follow Christ, you're putting yourself in danger. You don't want to ever do that. You don't want to stay in that state. You always want to go back to taking on Jesus Christ. When things aren't going well, Rather than sinning, take on the burden of Christ. Take on his yoke. It's easy. He will help you to resist temptation. He will help you to move away from that path of sin that you were taking. That's exactly what we're looking at here. The reminder is given to the people in this message in Hebrews. Who were the people who were disobedient? Who were the people who were condemned? Who were the people who ticked off God and made him angry over a 40-year period? Who were the ones who died in the wilderness? The disobedient, the people whose hearts were hardened. That's why there is this warning that's being proclaimed about unbelief. In Psalm 315, or pardon me, Psalm 95, verses 7 and 8 are what is made up in verse 15. Um, it was referring to Psalm 95. Psalm 95 is a, is a verse that talks about 
um, the promised land. And, and that's what we need to recognize here, too. The Israelites failed to enter the promised land because they didn't believe in God's protection and they did not believe that God would help them conquer the giants in the land. That's in Numbers 14, 15. Let's, let's fast forward to today. We, we have our own giants in the land that we have to come up against, don't we? We have the issues of health. We have issues of what's going on in the world today. Wars and rumors of wars, all kinds of things that are happening. There are those giants in the land that look like if we go up against them, they are unbeatable. The problem is we, we have to not believe in what we see here, but we have to trust in God, have faith that he is much greater than all of those things. And that's what we have to come back to. We always have to come back to how big is your God? How big is your God in your, when it comes to your faith? Is, it, is he a God that, oh, no, he can't whip what's going on in the world today. That, this is a world that's just going to swallow me up. Well, you can allow yourself to get swallowed up, too, and, and that's a choice you're making to do that. God is giving you information to help you to resist that temptation to believe that the world is much greater than who he is. He is aware of everything that's going on. He is aware of everything that's happening, but he just wants you to trust in him. He has your rest waiting for you if you want to take it. You know, you can worry about life in general, and you'll never be in rest. If you worry about things all the time, when are you going to be at rest? You'll never experience peace. You'll never experience God's grace. You'll never experience what he can do for you if you're always worrying about what God is going to be doing in situations like what we're going through today. We have to always remind ourselves there's all kinds of birds. We've seen more birds and butterflies and all kinds of things that are going on. And God knows that those birds and and, and and those animals, those creatures, they need food, and they get it. And if he can take care of them, he certainly can take care of us, his loved creation. But you have to trust in that, and you have to believe in that. You, have to, you cannot get caught up in circumstances, frankly, that you can't even control. God sent those people who didn't believe in the wilderness to wander for 40 years. That was not a very good alternative for them. That was not a good choice. They would never enter his rest. Because they chose not to believe and they chose to die. And even though the promised land was right there, not too far away, he would never let them get to that place. A lack of trust in God always prevents us. Here's, here's the key here. When we fail to trust in the Lord, when we lack in our faith, we're now depriving ourselves of his very best. That is what we need to remember. Don't deprive yourself with a lack of faith of God's very best. You know, God will, even in our struggles in the midst of what we're going through, he brings us through moment by moment by moment. But it takes faith to recognize his rest, his very presence. We have to have faith because if we don't do that, we won't enter his rest. We, there, and there's all kinds of rest we're talking about here. But in, for the sake of the definition of rest, it's his peace. It's God's peace. That's the peace that we always want. We want peace in our lives. We want peace in the midst of whatever is happening in our lives. We want peace as we gain greater understanding about who God is. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're striving for. We will enter his rest if we just have faith and trust in him. And we just make the choice to believe in him. Rather than not believe that he can do what he says he's going to do. That's really important. It's a very it's it's a rebellion when we just don't trust in him. We don't want to rebel against God. We want to be in his we want to be in fellowship with him. We want to be in a place where we feel good about where we are as a people uh, who follow the Lord. But we just want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to focus on him. So that's the lesson for today that we don't want to disregard God's will. We want to be obedient to his will and have faith and trust in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for your very presence. We thank you for the reminders to warn us to believe, trust in you, to not get caught up in those things where we just follow a pack of people who just have no idea what they're doing or where they're going. Lord, we want to trust in you no matter what anybody else is saying or doing. We want to trust in your word. Your word is relevant to us. It means everything to us. 
Bless us and keep us, Lord. We thank you for the promises you've made to us. We thank you for those places of rest that you have waiting for us as we just trust in you, as we believe in you. And we give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everyone, that's uh, the rest of Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to go into Hebrews chapter 4 next week. God bless you all. You take care of yourselves. We'll see you. For those of you in Akron going to church, we'll see you there in a few moments. Uh, Please remember to stay tuned on the timeline to see uh, Pastor Gus's message, God's Covenant, Understanding a Better Promise. For those who are not going to church today, it'll be in the timeline right after uh, this broadcast ends. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves. And we will see you next time.